Welcome to Covenant's Pulpit Ministry. Covenant Evangelical Free Church believes that the Bible is the Word of God and that God's Word is vital for life-transforming Christianity. We trust that you will grow to know the Word of God and more importantly, the God of the Word as you hear this message today. May God bless you as you open your heart to His Word. Thank you so much, Pastor Kai. Good morning, and welcome to Covenant's Pulpit, both on site and online. You know, when I was first asked to preach on this Second Faith Exploit, Disciples Singapore, my first thought was that, wow, this is such a big idea, Disciples Singapore. Who am I, one person, to Disciples Singapore, right? And if you think about it, none of us can do it alone. But imagine if all of us have the same perspective and posture, in knowing how God works in our workplaces, our vocations in the marketplace, we can surely impact our society for Christ. And today, we're going to look at the life of one person in the Bible who experienced this and how God worked in and through his life to accomplish his purposes. But before we do that, let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, Today, as we come to understand what it means to disciple Singapore, we ask first that you disciple our hearts and draw us closer to you. And every day, as we linger in your presence, may you grow us in understanding what your purposes are for us in the marketplace. And may you always remind us that all that you call us to live and work is for a greater purpose beyond our comfort and our own ambitions. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so if I ask us to think of the prophet Moses in the Bible, what is the first image that comes to mind? Okay, let me give you a few seconds, right? Just picture this, Moses in the Bible. What is the first thing that comes to your mind? Okay, anyone? Red Sea, yeah, I hear Red Sea. Anything else? Okay, so yeah, a few pictures, right? Could it be that climatic scene in Exodus chapter 14, right? Where Moses raises his staff and the Red Sea parts. Or could it be the picture of Moses holding the two tablets of the law, walking down Mount Sinai, which are the Ten Commandments? Or maybe it's that remarkable place in Exodus chapter 33, where Moses boldly asks to see the glory of God, and God grants his request by hiding him in the cleft of a rock. Now, all these are wonderful milestones in the life of the great prophet Moses, but let me share with you what, to me, are one of the most precious moments in the life of Moses. And for me, that is actually found in chapters 3 and 4 in the book of Exodus. And this is where Moses encounters God for the very first time. And God calls him to a life of faith, obedience, and intimacy with him. And as I look at these two chapters in Exodus, I also see three key ideas that link to our sermon theme today about marketplace discipleship, which is that God works wherever we are, using whatever we have to accomplish His will. Let me repeat that, that God works wherever we are, using whatever we have to accomplish His will. So let's start with the first idea, that God works wherever we are. Now turn with me in your Bibles to Exodus chapter 3, and let's read the first four verses here. Exodus chapter 3, verses 1 to 4. Allow me to read this for us. Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, 
the priest of Midian. And he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. He looked, and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here I am. Now, many of us are familiar with the life of Moses up to this point. Right? As a baby, Moses was rescued from the river by Pharaoh's daughter. And thereafter, for the next 40 years, Moses grew up in Pharaoh's palace as somebody of status, importance, a leader, and literally the prince of Egypt. He was the right-hand man to the most powerful man on earth at that time, Pharaoh. So you'd imagine that God would have chosen that time in his life to call him for his purposes, right? But God had a different plan. In the verses that we read earlier, we see that God chose not to call Moses when he was in a palace, but when he was in the wilderness. Not when he was a person of significance, but when he was a nobody. Not when he was doing something important, like managing the state affairs of Egypt, but he was doing something utterly mundane, like looking after the sheep of his father-in-law. And I can imagine that Moses must have imagined that was the last place that God would call him and use him. And I wonder for some of us today, do you feel this way? That where you are in your work and vocation in the marketplace, that that is the last place you can imagine God using you. Whether it's because you are stuck at work, whether it's because you struggle to find meaning at work, especially in the daily grind, whether it's in our offices, our classrooms, our army camps, or even managing our homes. Because the term marketplace is not just limited to what we consider as paid jobs or full-time careers, but really it extends to every domain of life where we devote our time, our energies, and attention. And if some of us feel this way, especially when the daily grind gets mundane, boring, routine, I believe this part of the story of Moses, God is showing us that wherever we are, in whatever season or station in life, God can call us and use us. Because if you think about work that is mundane, boring or routine, I think nothing really beats 40 years of looking after sheep, right? But God is showing us that even in the wilderness, God is there. And He calls us first to Himself and then to His will and purposes for our lives. You know, one season of life that can seem mundane, even meaningless, could be the two years of national service for Singaporean males. You know, when I have ex-students come back to visit me after their exams, and after they started their national service stint, one very usual comment I hear from them is, I don't know what I'm doing here in these two years of NS. I'd rather be doing something more useful, like serving God or going on a mission trip, and I just can't see God in these years of national service. And I listened to them, and I replied that I felt the same way too, many years ago. You know, when I first started my national service journey, I dreaded it. Because I was not the physically fit kind of guy. I was not outdoorsy, I was not adventurous, I was not sporty. In fact, I was quite the opposite. 
I was the super nerdy, studious guy with the dorky-looking specs. You know, in those times, you had to uh, do at least six pull-ups to pass your physical proficiency test. And for the longest time, right, I could do a grand total of zero. Zero. And during my years of NS, I was injured, I was out of course, I was back on course, and then out of course again for a few rounds. And I remember asking the Lord, God, what is your purpose for me here? And while God didn't answer me directly, He showed me. He showed me through the people I met, the conversations I had, even in the experiences I was forced to go through, and by revealing parts of myself that I didn't even know existed, both the good and definitely the not good. And God was showing me that wherever I was, He's there. And He's calling me, even though it didn't felt like it in those two years of national service. So my friends, let me ask, where are you today? Where are you right now? And I don't mean literally in this church building, but where are you in your work, your vocation, in the marketplace? Do you feel that sometimes work is a struggle? You try desperately to find meaning in the daily grind of work? Then know that even in the unlikely places of our lives, just like how God called Moses in the most unlikely place and time in his life, God can call us wherever we are. Now secondly, as we move along the story, we find that God doesn't just call us wherever we are, but that he uses whatever we have to accomplish his will. Let's turn to look at the beginning of chapter 4 in the first two verses. Exodus chapter 4, verses 1 to 2 read, Then Moses answered, But behold, they will not believe me or listen to my voice, for they will say, The Lord did not appear to you. The Lord said to him, What is that in your hand? He said, A staff. Now earlier, before this point in the story, and for the rest of chapter 3, Moses raised several concerns to God about this mission that God has called him to do to free the Israelites out of Egypt. And Moses claimed that he didn't have enough credibility to convince the Israelites, he didn't have enough authority to confront Pharaoh, and some commentators have called this the excuses of Moses. But I don't think these are mere excuses, but I think these are authentic all too human feelings of fear and inadequacy when called upon by God to do something that is beyond our wildest imagination. And God knew that. God knew that. And that is why I think God asked Moses one of the most beautiful questions in Exodus chapter 4, verse 2. What is that in your hand? To which Moses replied, a staff. Now, to understand why I think this is such a beautiful question, I got myself a staff. Ta-da! This is a shepherd's staff. Now, you must understand, it is not at all easy to find a shepherd's staff in modern-day Singapore. Right? I asked all my friends, no one is working as a shepherd currently. So I had to go online on the internet and source for it, and finally got it uh, from a farm in Ireland. But you know something that is so difficult to find in our world today? was actually something that was so common, so ordinary, even so insignificant in the time of Moses. I can imagine that every shepherd in Moses' day had at least one staff, or maybe even several staffs to go with the outfit of the day or something. 
So when God asked Moses, what is that in your hand? I believe God was telling Moses two things. Firstly, he was telling Moses, Moses, I know that you cannot believe that this stuff in your hand can be used to free the Israelites out of bondage in Egypt. But I'm going to use precisely this shepherd's staff in your hand right now to send the ten plagues upon Egypt, to part the mighty Red Sea, and to bring forth water from the rock. What to you seems insignificant in your human eyes can be of infinite significance in my divine plan. And thereafter, for the rest of the book of Exodus, this staff that was called the staff of Moses was thereafter called the staff of God. But secondly, by asking this question, I think God was telling Moses and reassuring him by saying, Moses, I know you feel scared. I know you feel inadequate and not up to the task of what I'm calling you to do. Maybe you feel that you should be more courageous, more eloquent, more authoritative, but I want you to know that you do not have to go searching for significance or status in your life first before I can use you. I want to use you right now, where you are, not later, but right now. Not somewhere else, but right here. And I believe God is telling us the same things today. Do some of us feel that the work we do sometimes is insignificant or unimportant? Do we sometimes wonder whether we need to be somebody of status first, to be somebody important first, to find significance in society first before God can use us? Then I think God is asking us the very same question that He asked Moses, what is that in your hand? Right now, not later, but right now. You know, for me, I think of my work as a tutor, and my work too is not a shepherd's staff, thankfully, but it is a red pen. So you know, over the years, I've learned that God can use this very insignificant-looking, very common, very cheap $1.20 red pen to bring words of encouragement, to bring uplifting hope, to bring affirmation to my students as I mark their essays, even as I have to balance that with being firm in correcting their errors. Or I think of my wife, Ying Jie, who is a homemaker. You know, I always tell people that being a homemaker is the most challenging vocation on the face of earth. You get to work 24-7, you don't get paid, you have no annual leave, and the job perks are often very, very, very intangible. You know, you ask me to prepare a lecture or teach a class. I think I can do pretty okay. But if you ask me to look after our three kids all by myself for just one day, I tell you at the end of the evening, I am punctured. Okay, translated, that means I'm flattened, I'm drained, I'm exhausted. And for homemakers who do this faithfully and tirelessly every single day, I wonder if some of us feel the same way, that what we do seems insignificant, unimportant, when we can be doing something much more out there in society. You know, seven years and three kids later, Inzi and I still have deep and long conversations about this now and then. And I must confess that as husbands, we don't fully empathize very well with our wives on this. Okay, maybe I should just speak for myself. Um, but over the years, I've seen how God has given Inzie her love for creating things, her skill for experimenting with crafts, her passion for cooking. And all these are the shepherd staffs 
that God has already given her to accomplish His will of discipling the next generation. And I believe that He's doing that for homemakers everywhere as well. So today, my friends, what has God placed in your hands? What are the shepherd's staffs that God has already given you? Wherever you are, whether it is your skill set, your training, your talents, your giftings, your passions, we may feel that it is insignificant or unimportant, but know that even with our most unlikely tools, God can use them. Just like how God used something so simple, so common, like the shepherd's staff of Moses. I'm also reminded of this quote that I'd like to share with us, and it's often attributed to Martin Luther. And it reads, The maid who sweeps her kitchen is doing the will of God just as much as the monk who prays. Not because she may sing a Christian hymn as she sweeps, but because God loves clean floors. The Christian shoemaker does his Christian duty not by putting little crosses on the shoes, but by making good shoes because God is interested in good craftsmanship. And finally, God doesn't just call us wherever we are using whatever we have, but it is so that we can accomplish His will. You know, for some of us in the marketplace, our struggle may not be about finding meaning where God has placed us. It may not be finding significance in what we do on a daily basis, but our struggle may be of a different kind. In fact, it may not be even called a struggle because it's quite the opposite. It's a lack of struggle. But the sense of comfort where God has placed us, with all our focus given to our work and careers, with our energies devoted to our families and our own lives. Now, this is a little bit like um, when we come to the end of um, Exodus chapter 4 in verse 13, right? where um, after a long conversation with God, Moses finally tells God, Oh my Lord, please send someone else. Now, I think a part of this could be due to the fact that there was fear of Pharaoh. But I think a part of this could also be due to the fact that Moses' life in Median at this point in time was already quite comfortable and stable. Well, he had his family, he had his business, Right? He has stability and comfort. And rather than risk what he has to step out of his comfort zone to do what God has called him to do, it would probably be easier for Moses to just stay put doing what he was doing, focus on his agricultural ship-tending business, and maybe one day list it on the Midianite Stock Exchange or something. And for some of us, the temptation to go down this path can be very real. You know, when I meet up with people or catch up with old friends and tell them what I do, um, the frequent questions I get is, oh, so when are you expanding a business? When are you actually um, opening a new centre or hiring more tutors? And it is all too easy to end up focusing on building our careers, on chasing after profits. Now, please don't get me wrong. It is perfectly okay to be diligent and responsible in these domains of life. In fact, God calls us to be excellent and competent in all that we do. But it is when these pursuits of career and work become the sole and consuming passions in our life. It is when these things become so important that we forget to build the kingdom of God. And that is where God calls us to see that all He has given to us is for a greater purpose. 
And for myself, I know that if the notions of earthly success start to grip the excitement of my heart, very soon, they can blur my vision of God's will and mission for my life. So that is why some years ago, I felt led to set up a social arm for my business and the aim is really to provide funding and mentoring to different social projects that desire to make a positive difference in our society and our world. I call this the Seed Initiative. And the inspiration comes from the book of John, chapter 12, verse 24, where Jesus said, Unless a seed of grain falls to the ground and dies, it remains a single seed. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. So for me, this was an intentional decision to die. To die to earthly notions of success and riches so that I can be more alive to God's will and purpose for my work. And what is God's will for my work? I believe He's showing me that all He has given to me is not just for building a comfortable life, but it is so that I can use it to impact society for Christ. You know, in my classes, I often discuss issues with students like poverty, discrimination, inequality, social injustice. And this platform is a way to have concrete expression of these ideas so that I can show in tangible ways Christ's love and compassion for society. And over the years, I've been so thankful and so blessed to be supporting different projects like mental health support groups, providing free tuition to low-income families, even helping to set up mobile digital kiosks in India so that rural farmers can have access to the internet and have access to government grants and assistance. And all the while, while I thought that I am blessing them, they are actually blessing me because they are all reminding me that there is a wider society and world for me to impact beyond my work and keeping my heart tender to God's purpose for society. Because I know that if that does not happen, all the blessings, all the successes that God has given me in my business can so easily turn into snares and obsessions that I end up pursuing instead of pursuing God and chasing after His will. You know, in the Bible, when I read about the lives of godly men like Moses, Daniel, Joseph, one phrase always strikes me. And he prospered because the Lord was with him. And the Lord was with him. That's quite a nice and reassuring thought, isn't it? That the Lord is with us. But over the years, as I grow in my discipleship journey and my work, I started asking not just whether the Lord is with me, but the opposite question, whether I am with the Lord. Not just whether He fits into my plans and blesses my work, but how I fit into His plan and His mission of extending the divine shalom in society, of bringing His redemptive gospel message to people around me, and of building His kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. I'm also reminded of a quote that I read recently in a book by Timothy Keller. And the title of the book is quite interesting. It says, every good endeavour connecting your work to God's plan for the world. And he writes, a job is a vocation only if someone else calls you to do it for them rather than for yourself. And so our work can be a calling only if it is remained as a mission of service to something beyond merely our own interests. Thinking of work mainly as a means of self-fulfillment and self-realisation slowly crushes a person. So my friends, 
in the midst of all the blessings, all the comfort that God has given to you in your work and life, where is God? Where is God in our work and vocation? What is it that we have to die to today so that we can be more alive to God's mission and God's will for our vocations? Now, in closing, allow me to share one story that really inspires me. It's a story of a fellow covenanter, and what he's doing in the marketplace is a great inspiration for me. This brother works in Changi Business Park, and incidentally, that is where our East congregation worships at. From 2016, he started uh, serving in the marketplace ministry in Changi Business Park, where they hold regular prayer meetings, they organize talks, and even alpha sessions for the workplace. Some years back, he was asked to step up to lead this ministry, and immediately he felt a sense of inadequacy and fear. In his own words, he said that he was not eloquent, he was an introvert by nature, you know, um, he's not good at organizing events, and he wonders who will come and listen to him speak. Sounds familiar? A bit like Moses? But this brother decided to seek the Lord. And the Lord actually led him to do a prayer walk every Saturday morning for six months in Changi Business Park. And as his brother went to different office buildings in the vicinity, he would sometimes weep over the spiritual burdens that he feels that the Lord and the Holy Spirit has laid upon him. Eventually, he said yes to leading this ministry. And God brought so many different people, so many different resources to support him. And today, this is a flourishing marketplace ministry that proclaims and brings Christ right into the heart of where this brother is working. And for me, this exemplifies exactly what today's sermon is all about, that God works wherever we are, using whatever we have to accomplish His will. Now, as a simple time of response, can I invite us all to do something with me? Can I invite us all to stand, whether on site here in Woodlands or online at homes as well? Can we all stand? And as we stand, can we also raise our two hands with our palms facing up? Okay, let's close our eyes right now. Now, in our left hand, I'd like us to visualize where we are right now in our work, our vocation, in the marketplace. I'd like us to visualize our office cubicles, our homes, our kitchens, our classrooms, our army bunks, and even places where we struggle sometimes to find meaning in what we do. Now, in our right hand, I'd like us to visualize the shepherd's staff that God has already given to us, whether it is our skill sets, our training, our passions, our giftings in the workplace. Now allow me to pray for us. Father God, you see our hands lifted up as a symbol of consecrating our lives and our work unto your purposes. O Lord, in our left hand, you remind us that wherever we are right now, even in the most unlikely places and times in our life, you are still calling us, just as how you sought Moses out in the wilderness. Father, in our right hand, you remind us that you have already given us all we need to do to accomplish your purposes. Even though they may seem insignificant, ordinary, unimportant, but you are able to use what we have, just like how you use 
the ordinary staff of Moses to perform great and wondrous miracles. And finally, Father, you remind us that all you have given to us in our work, our vocation and our lives are not just for building a comfortable and safe life for ourselves, but it is really for a greater purpose, for establishing your kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I'd like to invite us to do something different this morning. Uh, normally at this time, I invite us to take a seat and allow the chorale to minister to us God's song. But I, I believe this is a touch point from God this moment. This moment, we come before the Lord as we begin the second part of 2022, a moment of consecration unto the King. So I'd like to invite us to continue standing up as a way of saying, Lord, here we are, and allow the chorale and the choir to just sing this song over us. And as we sing, we worship unto the Lord. Because this morning, that's the question that the Lord is asking. Where are you? What have I given to you? What's in your hand? But most importantly, where am I? Where am I in all this? And as this song leads us, may it lead us to hunger for Him wherever we are.
I invite us to stand right now as I pray a prayer of benediction over all of us. Dear Heavenly Father, we are deeply grateful for your calling for us as a body. And today we pray you will send us forth. Father, would you bless us? Would you make your face to shine upon us? Would you lift up your countenance upon us and give us peace both now and forevermore? Send us forth wherever we are with whatever you have given to us that we may accomplish your purposes. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. The Lord bless you with a wonderful week ahead. God bless. We're glad you had spent some time listening to God's Word and we hope that the message has ministered to you. Should you require more assistance, kindly call 6892-6811 or you can visit us at www.cefc.org.sg for more sermon titles. God bless you in your spiritual pilgrimage ahead.